Right now, we're going to have a conversation that I think should trouble all of us. You know, when you take a look, and, and, and I speak out against the fringe and the extremist point of views um, on this show as often as I can. I think it's something that uh, we see creeping up more and more. It's something that we see becoming more and more commonplace, and they get more and more exposure, and they get more and more airtime, and um, they make more noise. Um, they're a very small group. I understand that. But at the same time, it, it seems to be growing. It seems to be getting bigger, and uh, we don't need it. We don't want it, and we shouldn't have it. Um, and a newly declassified Canadian intelligence report confirms that you know, what people have thought for a very, very long time is in fact occurring. Extremist groups actively are recruiting members of the armed forces and law enforcement in our country. Um, both active and retired members of the forces and the police ranks uh, to join up with their groups. Obviously, the concern is there. We've seen what these groups can do, in fact, have done, uh, and it's something that the Canadian forces at least are trying to get on top of. So let's get some details on exactly what's happening. Joining us, we have Dr. Christian Luprecht, who is a national security expert, class of 1965 professor at the Royal Military College, and a professor in the Department of Political Science and Economics at Queen's. Uh, doctor, thanks for your time this morning. Always a delight to chat with you. Good morning. Always a pleasure. So this report that came out, I don't think it comes as a surprise, but at the same time, it's very concerning as we learn that these groups are, you know, they've made it a goal to try and recruit members of the forces and law enforcement to join the ranks. Yeah, so we saw this pattern evolve in the United States maybe a dozen years ago. Um, you remember, you know, you and I growing up, you would have sort of these drive-by shootings and people would spray bullets. Mm -hmm. um, and it would make the news, you know, on the local radio station and uh, and people would be all up in arms. And then all of a sudden, we noticed that there were no drive-by shootings of that sort. Rather, when there was a drive-by shooting, it would be one hit, uh, and that hit would take out the target. Target. And so uh, then law enforcement and security intelligence started to track in the U.S. what's going on here. And it turned out that um, the organized crime groups were intentionally either recruiting former military or looking to get their own members into military training because they're effectively outsourcing their training to the organizations that have been doing it for decades and do it best. And so you learn how to actually uh, handle, uh, handle a weapon properly and so forth. So that's one part of the challenge that uh, you are fa the, the, the military is a key institution in the state's monopoly of violence uh, that uh, defines a modern state, um, and it obviously has considerable capabilities uh, on the on the on the combat side. So people learn how to handle weaponry and so forth. So that's one of the challenges. Another is that uh, the military is often said to have a bit of a selection effect. So that is to say, militaries are meant to uh, represent societies broadly as citizen soldiers, but uh, they're often a sort of uh, perhaps some individuals that that it appeals to that tend to be more small c conservative perhaps um disproportionately whether that's true in the Canadian military or not that's certainly sort of uh the uh, the perception and some of the metrics that we have from other militaries so they might see it also as a more fertile sort of uh recruiting ground for um uh for themselves uh, but it's also i think a more broadly sort of a test to the extent to which uh, those institutions in our society that have disproportionate power 
powers or policing, uh, but uh, inherently also uh, the uh, the armed forces uh, to try to, I think, undermine the legitimacy of those institutions by trying to find sympathizers and sympathies with causes that are fundamentally undemocratic because, look, the Canadian Armed Forces are tasked with defending um, the values, norms, priorities, interests that the elected democratic government has set. And these are institutions that clearly these organizations that don't adhere to those same values. And so it's, of course, critically important that the military not just defend those values, but that it represents those values. And so this is sort of why any attempt to recruit within the organization is problematic, because it signals that there may be individuals who may have signed up to defend those values, but uh, who themselves do not actually believe uh, in or reflect those values in the way that they have been defined and mandated by the government of the day. A lot to get into there. One one of the things that you mentioned and I wanted to get to was, yes, these groups are actively recruiting, uh, trying to get current members of the forces or retired members of the forces to join their ranks. But at the same time, and you, and you pointed this out, they're actually signing up as reservists and joining the military and stuff. And as you said, basically outsourcing their training uh, and acquiring these uh, lethal skills basically through the military, knowing full well that the end goal is to bring those skills back to their extremist group, whatever that may be. So for counterintelligence in the military, when you do your security vetting, there's three separate problems. So one is trying to identify people who might have nefarious grounds on which they're intending to join the military to begin with, and so a proper vetting in the recruitment process. The second are people who might either shift their opinions while they're in the organization or might be particularly susceptible to recruitment, uh, people who are, for instance, frustrated with the organization or who uh, on social media or so express frustrations mm-hmm. with certain policies pursued by the government. Uh, and, of course, for instance, Corey Hearn, uh, the uh, Manitoban who drove to Ottawa um, last summer and uh, in, in an attempt to, uh, quotation marks, arrest the prime minister with a series of unauthorized weapons or so, uh, he would fall sort of in that category of people who uh, who shifted and to then sort of become vulnerable and demonstrate that vulnerability on social media. The third are people who were tired out of the organization, but who, for instance, might feel that more broadly, in their view, society is not going in the right direction, and so they sympathize for one reason or another um, uh, with those organizations. And it might not even be for ideological affinity. I mean, the military is a very tight-knit organization. And so sometimes when people release from the military, they miss that camaraderie. They miss that sort of tight-knit friendship and people that uh, that they're close to. And so then they end up seeking that sort of connection um, among institutions, you know, that, uh, that, that some of these right-wing sort of militia groups uh, try to replicate precisely because they know they can appeal to individuals who otherwise might be lonely and who appreciate uh, that sort of camaraderie and who in return can then be gradually socialized into the extreme anti-democratic views that some of these organizations not just hold, but are prepared to resort to violence to defend. And that's ultimately, of course, the problem that in a democracy, we've agreed not to use violence to advance um, political 
views uh, and particular political points that we're trying to make. And uh, these are organizations that fundamentally violate uh, that premise of our social contract. And I guess the obvious concern here, I think it's apparent to anybody listening to this, is, you know, when, when we, we see pictures of some of these protests and these and these gatherings and things like that, typically you see the guys with, you know, the baseball helmets and the bear spray and, you know, the, the, the Walmart weekend warrior kit. Uh, they're out cosplaying soldier. But when you start to inject actual trained military members and law enforcement members with the knowledge and the skills and the expertise that they bring, that dynamic, while it's dangerous but without them, becomes infinitely more so when you bring that element into it. And that's what you saw on January 6th, right? So this is why a relatively small group of protesters could do such disproportionately harm um, at the U.S. Congress, because they were organized, they had intelligence, they had maps, uh, they weren't just acting as a ragtag team, they had organized groups, uh, they had plans of how they were going to infiltrate and how they were going to act, they had sorted out their targets once they were inside, so they used military, um, not just the ability for to handle weapons, but the entire sort of uh, training, uh, planning, surveillance, intelligence, reconnaissance process to ensure mission success, as the military might call it. And so um, there are very specific elements of training that members in uniform receive so that they can, um, they can be effective in the challenging and dangerous circumstances in, into which we send them. Imagine if, you know, the airlift that's being organized out of Afghanistan and people kind of showed up and they were they had to figure out yeah. sort of how we actually going to plan this whole operation or so. I mean, it would take months, right? So these people, those folks are trained in a very standard way so that you can insert them and they might have never met themselves before, but they can all work together because they've been all trained to work, for instance, according to the, to train an operation according to the operational planning process. And so they all now know how to proceed. And so transferring, not just being able to have those skills, but then when you have members join extremist organizations where they might be able to transfer even some of those skills that in adherency is also danger because you can have as a result relatively small groups of people doing disproportionate amounts of damage but let's keep in mind i mean empirically we've had in canada over the years not quite a dozen different individuals um, who have, in one way or another, ended up being charged or ended up being released from the Canadian Armed Forces uh, due to um, forms of expressions or actions that were incompatible. So this is not a um, this this is not a large scale problem right. in the Canadian Armed Forces, but we do, of course, have evidence to this effect, and it does appear to be a growing for- problem, not just in Canada but across. Uh, other allied countries, the Australians have a similar challenge, and of course the U.S. has a uh, um, appears to have a significant challenge on its hand. Uh, and so I think this is more a, a matter of making sure that we are aware of the threats that those institutions that we have to defend our rule of law and our democracy are facing in terms of infiltration uh, and the transfer of skills and training for uh, the advancement of purposes that are run, fundamentally run counter to our democratic values. And the Canadian um, forces acknowledge that this is something they're well aware of and actively working to try and prevent. What kind of things are they doing? You know, as you say, it's a growing problem and they recognize that and they admit that and they know it's an issue. So what are they doing to try and make sure that this kind of activity doesn't happen and they're not essentially taken advantage of? 
So there's a fairly extensive background check on individuals who want to join the Canadian Armed Forces. I mean, that doesn't catch uh, anything or and 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 everyone, but it is quite uh, it's quite rigorous. Um, so trying to catch uh, these types of uh, these types of attitudes um, um, uh, or people who themselves might pose a risk, for instance, to uh, even basic things like, do you have a disproportionate amount of debt that might make you susceptible to manipulation by outside mm-hmm. forces or outside organizations? Um, then you run, of course, counterintelligence on your units. Um, there's, uh, the, there's considerable opportunity also in the open source realm, you know, people posting on social media or so um, that, uh, that might end up showing up with, uh, with comments. Um, the, the, the awareness of people to be able to report um, to military police and uh, the National Investigation Service uh, any conduct or, or apprehensions they might have about uh, about some of their colleagues or uh, how they might be uh, might be expressing themselves and for veterans groups I mean t- this is part of the reason you know it's it, there's many reasons why we make sure we have a we have a robust veterans um, organization in this country um, but, but to make sure that uh, that veterans don't end up falling in with the wrong crowd and that we have you know it's part of what the military does to make sure it cares properly uh, for its people, um, that the military family um, remains accessible to them even when they retire out of the force so they don't go looking for uh, their luck with uh, other organizations that try to replicate that feeling for nefarious purposes. Yeah, it's a fascinating situation. Doctor, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. That is Dr. Christian Luprecht, who is a national security expert and a professor at a couple of different schools, including the Royal Military College and Queen's University, and uh, just breaking it down. And um, yeah, that it's something that's been going on. And, and as he pointed out, there is uh, you know up to a dozen um, Canadians who have been kicked out of the forces uh, because of their links to these so-called extremist groups. It's something that the forces are well aware of, and they know that there is an active effort to try and get... Um, their members out of the forces and acquire that expertise and that training and that skill and also to try and get some of their members into the forces to acquire that training and that skill. So uh, something you need to be aware of for sure and something the forces are working on. Uh, Good discussion.